Letter One of Pamela, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Pamela, Volume Two by Samuel Richardson. Letter One. My dear father and mother, we arrived here last night highly pleased with our journey and the occasion of it. May God bless you both with long life and health, to enjoy your sweet farm and pretty dwelling, which is just what I wished it to be. And don't make your grateful hearts too uneasy in the possession of it, by your modest diffidence of your own unworthiness, for at the same time that it is what will do honour to the best of men, it is not so very extraordinary, considering his condition, as to cause any one to censure it as the effect of a too partial and injudicious kindness for the parents of one whom he delighteth to honour. My dear master, why should I not still call him so, bound to reverence him as I am, in every light he can shine into the most obliging and sensible heart, still proposes to fit up the large parlour and three apartments in the commodious dwelling he calls yours, for his entertainment and mine, when I pay my duty to you both, for a few happy days, and he has actually given orders to that effect, and that the three apartments be so fitted up as to be rather suitable to your condition than his own, for he says the plain and simple elegance, which he will have observed in the rooms, as well as the furniture, will be a variety in his retirement to this place, that will make him return to his own with the greater pleasure, and at the same time, when we are not there, will be of use for the reception of any of your friends, and so he shall not, as he kindly says, rob the good couple of any of their accommodations. The old bow-windows he will have preserved, but will not have them sashed, nor the woodbines, jessamines, and vines that run up against them destroyed. Only he will have larger panes of glass and more convenient casements to let in the sweet air and light, and make amends for that obstructed by the shades of those fragrant climbers. For he has mentioned, three or four times, how gratefully they dispensed their intermingled odours to us, when the last evening we stood at the window, to hear the responsive songs of two warbling nightingales, one at a distance, the other near, which delighted us for above two hours, and the more, as we thought their season had been over. And when they had done, he made me sing him one, for which he rewarded me with a kiss, saying, How greatly do the innocent pleasures I now hourly taste exceed the guilty tumults that used formerly to agitate my unequal mind! Never talk, my Pamela, as you frequently do, of obligation to me. One such hour as I now enjoy is an ample reward for all the benefits I can confer on you and yours in my whole life. The parlour will indeed be more elegant, though that is to be rather plain than rich, as well in its wainscot as furniture, and to be new-floored. The dear gentleman has already given orders, and you will soon have workmen to put them in execution." The parlour doors are to have brass hinges and locks, and to shut as close, he tells them, as a watch-case. For who knows, said he, my dear, but we shall have still added blessings in two or three charming boys and girls to place there in their infancy, before they can be of age to be benefited by your lessons and example. And besides, I shall no doubt entertain there some of my chosen friends in their excursions for a day or two. How am I, every hour of my life, overwhelmed with instances of God's almighty goodness in his? O oh, spare, blessed Father of mercies, the precious life of this excellent man! Increase my thankfulness and my worthiness, and then— But what shall I say? Only that I may continue to be what I am, for more blessed and happy in my own mind I cannot be. 
The beds he will have of cloth, as he thinks the situation a little cold, especially when the wind is easterly, and purposes to be down in the early spring season, now and then, as well as in the latter autumn, and the window curtains of the same, in one room red and the other green, but plain, lest you should be afraid to use them occasionally. The carpets for them will be sent with the other furniture, for he will not alter the old oaken floors of the bedchamber, nor the little room he intends for my use, when I choose not to join in such company as may happen to fall in. Which, my dear, says he, shall be as little as is possible, only particular friends, who may be disposed, one in a year or two, to see when I am there, how I live with my Pamela and her parents, and how I pass my time in my retirement, as I shall call this, or perhaps they will be apt to think me ashamed of company I shall always be pleased with. Nor are you, my dear, to take this as a compliment to yourself, but a piece of requisite policy in me. For who will offer to reproach me with marrying, as the world thinks, below me, when they shall see that I not only pride myself in my Pamela, but take pleasure in owning her relations as mine, and visiting them, and receiving visits from them, and yet offer not to set them up in such a glaring light, as if I would have the world forget, who in that case would always take the more pleasure in remembering what they were. And how will it anticipate low reflection when they shall see, I can bend my mind to partake with them the pleasure of their humble but decent life? I, continued he, and be rewarded for it too, with better health, better spirits, and a better mind. So that, my dear, added he, I shall reap more benefit by what I propose to do than I shall confer. In this generous manner does this best of men endeavour to disclaim, though I must be very ungrateful if, with me, it did not enhance, the proper merit of a beneficence natural to him, and which indeed, as I tell him, may be in one respect deprecated, inasmuch as, so excellent is his nature, he cannot help it if he would. Oh, that it was in my power to recompense him for it! But I am poor, as I have often said, in everything but will, and that is wholly his, and what a happiness it is to me, a happiness I could not so early have hoped for, that I can say without reserve, since the dear object of it requires nothing of me but what is consistent with my duty to the supreme benefactor, the first mover, and to the cause of all his own happiness, of my happiness, and that of my dear, my ever-dear parents. Your dutiful and happy daughter. End of Letter One